welcome back to On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary and Alice Catherine. So this is our final episode of the series, which feels a little bit sad. <laughs> Not a lot sad, just a little bit. Just a little bit. bit. Yeah. No, because I think we've, we've had such a good time doing it, haven't we? And I think we've got lots of ideas already for the next series. And I don't know, it kind of feels good to have it all wrapped up and to be doing the last episode I guess in a neat bow yeah and I think um without kind of um discrediting us I think we've both been surprised at how much we've enjoyed doing it haven't we and how easy it's come to us so it's it's been like a learning curve but uh, a nice learning curve hasn't it like ducks to water (laughs) oh that's it like ducks to water yeah no definitely I think um it's just given us a sort of new string to our bows yeah um and we've covered a lot of ground as well um the other day I was sort of looking through all the topics to Mm -hmm. see sort of what we've been talking about um and it does feel like we've we've come a long way since the beginning definitely I think from the first episode where we were doing um uh Q&A episode um it was kind of like it felt so daunting didn't it discussing all these you know some quite serious and quite heavy subjects and then well we've just kind of we've just done it haven't we and it's it's been really cathartic definitely and I think in some ways this this series was a bit of um like a self-indulgent type uh venture because I think we just wanted to sort of see what we enjoyed talking about and find our feet with it all um so it's definitely given us a taste for what we've enjoyed and what we want to yeah. what we want to do differently, what we want to do more of. Um, Completely. What we what we enjoy in terms of like a format of a podcast, um. and also what the what you listeners enjoy as well. Like it's been so nice having you your feedback, and it, without sounding a bit cheesy, it actually it really does mean a lot. Um, it's just nice to know that there are actually people out there. Yeah, I mean, for us to be sat recording a conversation for an hour and then for anybody to take the time to listen to it is a very nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, and then express an opinion on actually what we've we've spoken about, um, which is what we wanted because a lot of the subjects we covered, we kind of wanted to get the ball rolling on, you know, a conversation. Um, So even if, you know... We've got one person who's given us their opinion. That's that's better than nothing. So what have you been up to since we last recorded? It's been a little while, hasn't it? We've, it does feel like it's been a while. Yeah, we've been to Edinburgh since then. Uh-huh. Um, which was lovely. Um, it's, oh my God, I've just, I, I got like a feeling of sadness. Like this is, because we do this so regularly. It's going to be like... Well, I mean, it depends when we start up series two. Which yeah, that's true. <laughs> which we've not decided, um, for anyone that, that might ask or be interested, we've not decided when that's going to come back yet, whether it'll be later on in the year or the beginning of next year. Um, I think we just really want to work out a sort of format for it and what yeah. we, where we kind of want to take it with the next series, I think. So we'll keep you updated on that on our Watch social channels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. So, we, yeah, we've both been up to quite a bit. And together, yeah, we went to yeah. Edinburgh together. Oh my gosh, I love Edinburgh. It's so cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's such a nice... Um, it's one of those cities where you get a real warm feeling when you're there. You oh, don't so feel cozy. like, mm, I want to go yeah. home. <laughs> no, you can just... It's it's a very magical place, it is, isn't it, yeah. Edinburgh? Um, I I didn't make... She was easily convinced, but I got Alice to go on a ghost walk with me. <laughs> I would also like to add that Sophia was the only person that screamed on the whole ghost tour because, what was it, a drop of water? Um, so just as the, the lovely tour guide who took us round was telling this quite, like, I'd say quite an intense story. Yeah. I mean, it involved ghosts, so, you know, you already had your back up a bit. And then at the end, she kind of did this thing where she made us all jump. Um, but just as she sort of said the last line to make us all jump, a drop of water fell on my head. No one else was phased apart from me. <laughs> ah! I, to be fair, there was there was a point where I just stopped taking it seriously because um, of the tour guide's accent. She was fading in and out of a Scottish yeah, accent. We, we suspect she was doing a fake Scottish accent. Yeah, which makes sense for the tour. I mean, Lord knows we're not. Uh, she wasn't experts. committed to it. Was she? <laughs> no, it was just we both turned round, didn't we? Like, did she just? Go into like an Irish yeah. accent. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, we're obviously not experts on dialect, so we might be wrong, but but a very fun thing to do, and I definitely suggest doing that if you're heading to Edinburgh for Halloween or anytime soon. Yeah. It's just a bit of a, a funny thing to do, Something isn't it? New. Yeah. 
Something I, I imagine there's scarier ones, um, but this one was more just like a bit of... It's quite educational, wasn't it? Yeah. My scene. Yeah, nice bit of history thrown in there as well. Um, yeah. So what else have we been up to? We've both seen the new Tarantino recently. Maybe yes! we can talk about that. Let's talk about that because... What did you think first? You can start. Oh, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Sorry, that wasn't... I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. Love it. Love it. End of. Um, it was completely not what I was expecting and not in a, ta- not in a way that um, the direction of it was very Tarantino. Mm. The cinematography was very Tarantino. So all of that I expected. But the actual storyline itself, like I kind of went in with no preconceptions. I don't want to spoil it for anyone if you've not seen it yet. The only... It's not even criticism, but the only thing I would say is I do wish I'd known what the concept and what the ending of the film is going to be because I, as as we know, as I've mentioned in many times on this podcast, I, I feel like I know so much about the Charles Manson um, saga and the Manson family. I kind of... I, I was watching it going, that didn't happen, and kind of waiting for things to connect that I, I knew had happened. And, and when they didn't, I was kind of trying to piece it all together. And then it was only at the end I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I um, I did sort of know a little bit. I'd watched a lot of the... Um, I knew that Leonardo DiCaprio's character was supposed to be this, like, fictional actor. Yeah. Um, and that there were lots of bits with him on different film sets and stuff. Um and a new of Brad Pitt's character as well, and then that Margot Robbie was going to be Sharon Tate as sort of like a background reference to that time. Um, But I didn't know what was going to happen at the end, obviously. Um, And I did find myself cringing in the cinema a bit when I could feel it coming. Yeah. You know when the um, the Rolling Stones song came on, the Out of Time? Yeah. I was like, oh no, they're going to kill her and I can't watch it. And yeah. I was getting really like, oh. It's definitely um, funny because you text me saying that like, oh, yeah. when when it came to, you know, that, that fateful evening. and they kind just sinks of, a bit, yeah, yeah. I did exactly the same, yeah. yeah. I kind of like, in my head was like, oh no, please, can yeah. we not do can this? Not, yeah. And then I was really, and then I remembered... Um, someone I was with was like oh no but all the violence in Tarantino's films is revenge violence and I was like of course like so there was no way that he was going to kill Sharon Tate yeah it's because um, it's um because normally Tarantino's violence is almost quite comical isn't it because you're cheering on I just realized that I've ruined it now as well but there has been a lot of time to watch it since. no you <laughs> haven't actually said <laughs> have the, I not okay no no you've you've alluded I've not given away the whole you've, no it's yeah. fine and it's not really a twist that's the thing I'd just gone in with no preconceptions of what the storyline was. I knew, as you said, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was a fictitious character in it, but that's all I knew. Yeah. So I was cool with that, but then there was just things that happened that I was like, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it was It was a long film as well, but it was about three hours Nearly or three hours, it? yeah. Corker. Um, but there was just lots of really clever bits in it, like, you could tell it was quite, like, an indulgent film for him as well as just someone who loves the whole, like... It was a labour of love. I think you could tell yeah. it was a labour of love um, because he, he wrote it as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can't really fault his screenplay ever, can you? It was also probably one of the funniest ones that I've watched, I think, in terms of like my sense of humour. Like I found this one a lot funnier than some of the others. Yeah. I mean, they're all funny, but this one I found particularly yeah. funny, like, especially Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Such endearing characters, aren't they, yeah. in like a kind of love to cringe at them kind of way yeah yeah but yeah aesthetically as well it was really pleasing um would have liked to see more of um margot robbie in it but then i understand why she was sort of in the background as this mystical type of i think he's just so um was so cautious of like protecting her sort of name and not sort of giving anything away too much because i don't think a lot of people really knew what she was like anyway no a lot of mystery surrounding her sort of I think Sharon Tate's sister, Deborah Tate, had a bit of a say mm. on how things, not how things should go, um, but sort of, you know, gave insight. Um, and apparently she was saying it was quite, it was really quite scary to watch Margot Robbie play her because she gets her that accurate. Accurate, yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah. I mean, they, they do, I mean, in terms of like just their facial structure and... Because oh, yeah. she she's not had any prosthetics or anything put on for that. It's just literally her as yeah. she is. And she does look so, so, so similar. Because they play the real footage of one of her films, don't they, in the cinema And scene. you could hardly... And if you didn't know who Sharon yeah. Tate was, you probably wouldn't 
you Agreed. wouldn't notice, would you? Apparently, though, Tarantino had her in mind for Sharon Tate and nobody else. It was like Margot Robbie or, or no nobody one. nobody else, yeah. Obviously, she was going to say yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd say yeah. Um, so, I guess we both give it a massive... I, I want to see it again. I also liked that um, Maya Hawke... Uma Thurman's daughter was the only one that ran away at the end. Yeah. And I thought that was quite clever. Which, so there was a girl who stayed behind, but she didn't run away. They they just told her to stay behind. Oh, they told her to stay behind. How do I know? Like, it's so weird. I know some stuff. I know I know about Susan Atkins. Um, oh, yeah, she's quite, quite one of the famous ones, isn't she? Yeah, because there's, there's, there's a funny bit where Brad Pitt's like, why is your face so pale? And I'm guessing they were referencing Susan Atkins then, because she yeah. was like this really pale-faced, almost like witchy sickly looking woman wasn't she yeah um and you can watch some interviews with her on youtube actually um there's a journal i think it's like a channel Four journalist or someone from the bbc that goes in and um interviews her um and she still showed no remorse like years no. later she was just like mm. yeah it's it's kind of it's crazy isn't it because with then with tex watson who was one of the other infamous murderers mm. he went into prison and straight away like found god yeah. And was just kind of, it was, it, yeah, they're all like, it's, I mean, not that you'd ever endear to them because they killed innocent people, but it, they've, yeah, they've well, still. They're all, a lot of them just like runaways and people that had come from, like yeah. kids that had come from. Some of them, like one of them was like homecoming queen, like I think that Tex Watson was like, um, went to college, got like, you know, high grades. Didn't they pick people up though, along the way that was sort of. Yeah, I think they just... Run away, um, I'm not sure. Well, they say, don't they, that with, with you know, the Manson mur- murderers, that it was kind of the end of the hippie era, because I think a lot of these kids got into, like, hi- hippie subculture, and that's how they sort of winded up on mm. Manson's door. Weird guy. But I feel like this is going to be, like, the third or fourth episode that I've mentioned. I he wasn't in it at all, though, was he, really? No. Which I found interesting, because... Yeah. I'd still like to see a film with him as the... I'd like to, I don't know. Well, funny you should say that because I started watching, I know you don't watch this, we've just discussed it beforehand, um, the new season of Mindhunter, mm. which is based on, you know, true events. It's about how, you know, the FBI sort of managed to cultivate um, criminal psychology to under, better understand serial killers and solve crimes and whatnot. Um, but in in both series, they interview real serial killers that happened at the time not obviously played by actors Mm -hmm. um and this season they interview charles manson no way um so it's yeah and the guy who plays him is so good because i was kind of dreading it coming up because i thought oh god this is either gonna be dead naff Mm. or i just don't know what but i thought he did a really great performance um i'd strongly recommend mindhunter for anyone who yeah, I watched the first season. Kind of I, I think I, maybe I just needed to give it another chance. I did. We were talking about it just before this, weren't we? And I did watch the first episode, and I found myself trailing off a little bit. But I think I just mm. need to sit. And yeah, it's slow going. It, it yeah. is slow going. I've got to say. Um, but then I think once you, because I, I feel like with the first episode, it doesn't really allude to what the whole, um, the whole uh, where it's kind of going programs yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you realise, you're like, this is so my scene. It is definitely your scene, Alice. Yeah. I mean, I hate to I hate to be so interested in somebody like him, but it's just the um, you're not the only one. Morbid curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, have you been watching anything new or exciting? Um, I've con- been continuing with Handmaid's Tale as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I been watching? Did I t- did I talk on the last episode about Midsummer? No, but no. you were t- you were talking to me on the train to Edinburgh about it. Okay, yeah, I went to watch Midsummer, um, which is by the same director that did uh, Hereditary. If anybody watched that, um, and all I can say is that for a few days after that film, I was not okay. <laughs> Just like spacey. Yeah, really spacey. It's really trippy, like to the point where, like, it like it's physically trippy to look at. Um, the way they filmed it, things moving it all the time, but not to the point where you kind of notice unless you look closer it gets to the point where it's been happening but you've not realised and your eyes are sort of... That's quite clever though, Yeah, it's really clever, really clever Um, and it's um, I mean, it's a bizarre film to even describe 
And I don't really want to try and describe it because I think whatever I try and describe will be wrong. Or a bit like if you had to try and <laughs> fa- um, describe Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, because I find tri- that's a trippy film. It very. Um, well, it's based around these uni students that go to one of their friends as part of a sort of cult in Sweden, and every every I don't know how many years it is they have this big midsummer thing where they. What the, where they sort of sacrifice people, um, and his friends don't know this, of course, and it's sort of a case of him. He sort of rec- recruited them to take back right. to his family in Sweden, and then things just take a bit of a gruesome turn. But what I did find interesting about it was that it's all set in the daytime, so it's a ah. horror film, but it's all in the daytime. So i found it a lot easier to watch because of that and i think yeah, it'd, be a, sure. it'd be a good one to watch if you don't really like horror because i think a lot of it is that it's just in the dark and you're just you're scared of things jumping out whereas with this you see what you see and yeah it's sort of well all make, fear is built on the unknown isn't it and yeah. that's why we're scared of the dark yeah because we can't physically see in it i don't yeah. like sleeping in the pitch black i just want to put this out there oh, <laughs> i find dear. it really difficult and i need to have like a bit of light in the distance somewhere like a street lamp yeah like yeah. any dim light I I, that. but when it's really black out i find it really weird because i lose i lose <gasps> did you get claustrophobic yeah yeah it i makes do me too really like shitty. i don't know yeah yeah i agree so there you go but i've always been made to feel like that's like a weird no thing. that's not weird yeah i agree with you on that like i like to be able to see the room <laughs> need a nightlight <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, excuse me, I just want to plug in my... Uh, I've got a mobile above my bed. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't put it past you to have, like, a Hello Kitty nightlight, somewhere, like a plug-in. That would be my scene, definitely. I've still got my teddy from when I was, like, five. Yeah, I've, I've got teddies from, like, a few years ago. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel a lot better. I have, like, a little anxiety bunny that I like, so, like, my little... You oh. know the jelly cup ones? Yeah, well, has he got a name? We've really digressed here. I can't discuss it on this podcast. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Some uh, things are very it's personal. It's just too embarrassing, yeah, to talk um, about. Um, anything else? Uh, oh, we've both um, been watching Kathy Burke's All Women. Incredible. She's yes. just... I just want to be what a woman. friend, yeah. What a woman. She's so cool. You know what I like about her is that she's, she's really not trying hard, is she? Like, no. she, she kind of said, like... I wouldn't necessarily call myself a feminist. I, it's just I was like believing these. This bit, yeah, because when she said that, and then she went, mm, I thought, oh, where's this going? But then when she gave her answer, I was like, that makes yeah. so much sense. It's like, why do, especially in this day and age, like, why do I like? I get why we need that label, obviously, yeah. and why it's important, but as like a movement, but it's also it shouldn't be important as well. Like it's just belief. It's just literally it's just her beliefs. beliefs yeah. yeah, and I thought that was quite. There's no way. Um, what's the ulterior motive or? Um, it's, it, and she clearly it is, is what a it feminist. Is. Like you watch oh, it, yeah. and it's like she, everything she believes and stands for and strives for is like. And she says that as well, doesn't she? That, but then she's just not interested in having that label. And I thought that was really um, quite adorable, profound. Yeah, quite cool. yeah. yeah, I was just like, yeah, that um, actually makes so much sense. I there's so many things she said that I've just laughed out loud. Like oh, it's quotable, isn't it? Yeah, it's re- so. really, really good. Um, I loved it when she was talking about midlife crisis. Men are able to have midlife crises. And she was saying, like, um, you know, oh, he'll sleep with his secretary, he'll buy a jag. And she's just like, you know, fuck off, you're a twat. It's (laughs) like, yeah. Like, we excuse things because, you know, they're the done thing when actually. She made me just feel really relaxed as well when I was watching it because she. I think, like, as a woman, you do feel a bit like a ticking time bomb sometimes. Yeah. She just had no. She was just like, yeah, I've not had kids, didn't fancy them, and I'm fine. I've got a great life. She was like, you know, it's not... And I just thought, yeah, that's really nice and really comforting. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not necessarily someone who knows if I definitely want kids or not. I think we're just at that age where it's like, it's almost a bit... It's weird to think about, isn't it? For me, anyway. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine myself having kids now. But it's not so that I don't want them in the future. But it was yeah. just nice to know that... You know. She dealt with it really, like, she normalised it a bit yeah. rather than making it, you know, a stand or she would say, it was just like, no, I just didn't because want Because it's kids. so true, all the questions that you put up with, like, oh, as soon as you get married, it's, oh, there'll be pitter-patters of tiny feet soon or, like, you know, all these questions that 
you're sort of faced with only as a woman. Yeah. Or as she was what she said about when you have your first kid as well, and then they're like, oh, when are you going to have your second one so that they're close to When are you going to go and, back to work? Yeah, and it's and, yeah. just like all these things. It's just like can we stop interrogating women please? yeah <laughs> it's actually quite funny because i'd i've got notes on my phone um that was i was gonna write a post this week before um watching the kathy burke documentary on motherhood um about very interesting being 30 mm. and about what i found learned so far about being 30 not that it's a bad thing um with the way people's perceptions of you changes and the amount of times i've been asked when am i getting married when am i having babies it's actually it shocked me. And then after watching the Kathy Burt documentary, I felt like it, she's definitely inspired me to definitely write this post because I felt like she dealt with a lot of the um, issues that I kind of wanted to talk about. And 30 is so young as well. It's like, but you're just I think put in a box. how young it is. You like... are put in a box immediately of, of a, oh, 30, you are... A t- Even if it's not said out loud, it, in your head, you're already preconditioned to think, oh, 30, I'm a ticking time bomb. It's so bizarre. Yeah. I mean, biologically, there are certain time scales that you do sort of have to have in your peripheral, just from the sense that, you know, women can't have children post-menopause. Yeah. So in terms of that, it's something that we always are aware of, but that doesn't mean that we need to be reminded by people. No. And then everything that comes with it, like, well, if you're going to choose to be a mother then you need to decide between that and your career. Yeah. That still feels like something which very much looms over women's heads a lot. Yeah. Um, so inter- I would highly recommend watching it. Yeah, it was really interesting. She talks to all different people that have taken all different routes. Um, there was one woman that was deciding to freeze her eggs, wasn't there? Or she was yeah. going to try and have a baby by herself. And all different women experiencing different sort of sides of yeah. angles of motherhood which I thought was really clever and I think that's it I don't think I've been I don't think there's anything new or exciting that I've been watching bar the things that we've mentioned no I think that's everything yeah so we thought we'd end as we started um with a sort of little Q&A uh, we put a call out on Instagram just asking you guys if you had any questions of things that yeah popped up throughout Sophia's laughing at me. Why are you laughing? At me? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just laughing. To, I'm like, you know, something tickle, having a nice something's time. Tickled you there? Okay. Uh, we put a call out on Instagram, um, just asking you guys what you thought, what any thoughts that had come up throughout the series, yeah. any sort of burning questions that you had, um, and we've had sort of like a mixed bag, haven't we? So yeah, we thought we'd just end it with a few it, it, questions. We just thought it'd be a nice way to sort of tie it up. And yeah, nothing too heavy yeah. um, because I think you know there's some questions that we got that seem like they could be a topic in themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mainly follow up questions as if you were here having a conversation with us. <laughs> um, so a nice one to start on would be. I don't know why I keep laughing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what's been your favourite topic to discuss? God, or not even your favorite, I guess. Let's change it a little bit. The one you've enjoyed talking about the most. Are you looking through our episodes? Well, I have to. I've got the memory <laughs> of a sieve. Um, I might so actually what? also need to do that. I was going to say, how have you kept them all? Just um, which one have I enjoyed? I mean, obviously, we hold our podcast in high regard that we're finding this question really difficult to answer. I think I really enjoyed the um, Women in the Spotlight episode. I thought that was... That was nice, yeah, wasn't it? I thought that flowed really well. Um, and we just got to talk about a lot of women that we admired, which was nice. Yeah, it was It was, um, It was. was quite a therapeutic episode, wasn't it? Yeah. At the end of it, I felt very like, yeah, I'm going to go and do something. Yeah. Uh, I probably just went home and had tea, though, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and then I really liked the social season, the one about um, social pressures. Yeah. I thought that was good as well. Oh, women's health. I oh, really, yeah, I really enjoyed talking about women's health, which sounds weird that when I like say that out loud. That one of the, the more important ones, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. And I think I've got a lot of nice messages about yeah. that one. Just thanking us for sharing sort of um, personal information and accounts of like our experiences as well, yeah. which is always nice because sometimes I guess you don't really feel... You don't really know how much to share, what's oversharing, and yeah, where, where yeah, where do you where, draw the line? Yeah, like what's going to be helpful for people. So it's always nice to know that that's well received. 
Um, I yeah, I think that actually, I think choosing a favorite episode, I'd have to go off which one I feel like we've had the best feedback from, which women, would be Women's, women's Health. Health yeah. Um, it was just really, it was so lovely to have people sort of come come forward and say we're brave because I feel like when we had that chat it was fine it was just like two friends talking um and I didn't really see it as maybe being brave so I don't know it kind of like made me feel a bit made my heart hurt a bit yeah it's I mean similar to when I whenever I write about female health on my blog they were the most well received blog posts and it does sort of it's kind of bittersweet because it's there's obviously still conversations that people aren't having aren't having yeah and you're so right and it's just i mean speaks volumes doesn't it yeah 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 it's true that because i'm saying oh we didn't see it as brave but that's because we feel like maybe we can talk about it but there's probably so many women out there who feel like they can't yeah they're just not talking about it and stuff and yeah and but yeah i did like about that one as well that um there was a couple of nurses they really? messaged me and said they'd found it really interesting as well because I don't know there's topics in there that we talked about that I think not even a lot of um, nurses know loads and loads about especially um, vaginismus and things like that that are a bit more niche um, so yeah I, I think it's always important to bring to bring light to stuff like that um, and maybe that's something that we'll bring back as well in the next series because I think there's so much more that we could have talked about <laughs> with all of the topics really yeah um, I agree with you. I think, I think uh, we have a duty to talk about it next and um, the next season, don't we? A bit. It it felt like it was yeah, definitely one of the episodes that we did that actually had some sort of um, agenda. Yeah, yeah, an effect on on some of you who listened, which was lovely. Um, shall I just read out another question? Please do. Okay. <laughs> um, how do you avoid being too materialistic in your line of work? I'm just looking at your Chanel bag. <laughs> like, we um, don't. Excuse me. <laughs> so for this. No, it's a, it's a beautiful bag. I just meant I'm that. Not, I'm, I'm looking g- at it in terms of... Do you know what? I'm uh, hoping I'm going to have this for like... This will get passed down through generations. Before we filmed this, I've just been squidging Sophia's new Chanel bag thinking... It's oh, not you. I'd love one. But it's it very new. It's, you know why? Because I look after it. It's very classic. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Um, on a more serious note, though, um, I mean, I guess how it. I guess it's how you sort of define materialistic, because we're always going to have a lot of clothes and a lot of pieces in our wardrobes because of the job we do. Yeah. You know, we're sort of, and we were talking about this before as well. Uh, we we're talking about sustainability a bit, and I think our sort of job is to trial and error things yeah. so that the people that follow us then can get an honest review of that piece and then whether they want to go out and buy it and yeah. make a more informed purchase. So it's sort of better for a few bloggers to have a slight excess of things if they can prevent poor informed purchases from their followers. I'm not sure. I just, for me, it feels like it's sort of unavoid- unavoidable to an extent. Well, yeah, because we both love, you know, when you're especially if you're a style blogger it's it is quite hard because with style we're never gonna comes have fashion capsule, capsule yeah. wardrobes are we like um but that said um you know i think it's just being conscientious where you if you're promoting a fast fashion brand i don't think there's anything wrong with promoting those brands but it's also sort of um, it's the message you portray with it so you don't necessarily have to go out and buy you know that 10 pound top from what from wherever whichever fast fashion brand um it's you know you can use something that you've already got in your wardrobe or if you do want to buy this product it's about how you can rewear it and I think I, I know that especially over the last year I've been making a conscious effort to almost acknowledge when I'm wearing something I've had for years yeah. not to make myself feel better but just to sort of say you know the, our wardrobes aren't you know this limitless um you know space full of loads of new stuff we are recycling clothes we already own and I think um I mean I'll just admit right off the bat I probably am a bit materialistic I do like creating an aesthetic and I get very sucked into films and characters and I do 
you know, I'm one of those people that I do take joy and, like, pride in having, like, nice things. And I look after my things. You've worked hard for them. Yeah, I've worked hard for them. Like, I didn't come from a background where I had endless money to buy clothes all the time. So, you know, when I started to work and stuff, I did put more money into creating a wardrobe. And I found my style. And in in a lot of ways, that's given me confidence to do other things in life. And But in no way do I think material things are important. But, you know, there is a sense of, like... I don't know, they're part of, they're just, they're part of my job, like clothes are part of my job. Yeah, and, um, you know, buying something special does make, makes you feel, it makes yeah. you feel nice, it makes you feel happy. Um, one, I think one thing I'd say, and I think we're both quite good at this, um, and something I would box in as being materialistic, is I don't think we ever, I think Instagram sometimes has the habit to make you want things that you don't really want. Yes. Um, and I think it's all about not losing who you really are. So, you know, if you are wanting um, to buy a jumper because you've seen it on uh, about 10 other girls, is it because you actually like it? Yeah, or just or, because you think it's sort of yeah. the, hot, the hot piece. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just about not losing your your own identity yeah. and not losing, losing sight of what you yeah. need and don't need as well, and just sort of it, just being a bit more conscious of what the way you're consuming. And I think we're both quite good at we buy a lot of secondhand and vintage, and we've also both got quite classic styles. So there's only really so many pieces we need before yeah. we just start repurchasing different versions of the same yeah. thing. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wrote a post about that recently, how um, finding your personal style can actually lead to more sustainable choices because I'd say my style in particular lends itself to probably about 10 classic pieces. Yeah. And I don't everything I sort of buy after that is just a slightly different version of yeah. that piece. Yeah. So I've tried to be more conscious of that and um, just invest in quality now a little bit, but I understand that's not accessible for everyone as well and sometimes... You know, you do just need to go out and buy that £30 dress because you've got an yeah. event coming up or whatever. But, yeah, something we'll talk about more in, in Series 2, I think, as well, sustainability. Completely, because I think that's one subject that we've actually kind of um, not broached yet no, at all, a, apart from now. it's a big one. Oh, it's a biggie. <laughs> I just put myself as the question giver. Is that OK? That's fine. Continue. OK. Um, I'm really bad at reading other people's handwriting anyway. <laughs> I was wondering how you both stayed motivated the months after uni. Mm, the dark, the dark times. <laughs> the old times. Um, from what I can remember of that period. <laughs> let me, let me plunge back I've in my mind. i repressed that. Um, I moved home, which was, I found that the most depressing part, to be honest. From going to living in a really, I went to Leeds um, university and from being in a really vibrant big city to going back to a small village where I'd grown up was really, it really felt like a million steps backwards um, and not living in a house with all my friends just there constantly was really hard because you suddenly feel a bit isolated, everybody goes back to where they've come from and you don't really have money to meet up with people all the time and I think I just got myself a retail job just to try and have something as a bit of focus and save up some money and that was um I think I was at home for like a year just around a year doing that and then that was when I moved to Manchester so I wouldn't I mean it's hard to say how I stayed motivated but you feel very lost don't you when you leave uni I think the momentum is just to try and not be hard on yourself because it can be a really anxious and lonely time nobody really prepares you for that period between sort of finishing uni and being propelled into the adult no, world. wait, there's no ga- damage control on it, no. is there? It's kind of like, okay, go. Yeah. You're done now. And every point, every sort of transitional phase up until that point, people prepare you for, like, GCSEs are coming or A-levels are coming or uni. You're like, led, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're yeah. always led. Um, and after that, it's just sort of like you pr- you're expected to do what you went to uni to do or Be whatever. a grown-up. Be a grown-up, yeah. Um, I'd say just don't be too hard on yourself, but also yeah. try and be proactive as well, even if that's just doing something active outside of the house each day because if you're keeping yourself active and you're keeping your brain sort of ticking over you're more likely to then sit and apply for jobs and maybe dwell a bit more on what you'd like to do um try and get some experience if you're lucky enough to be living at home and you don't need to pay rent try and get experience in a field that you want to get experience in um and I think we're so lucky now with all like the different podcasts and YouTube channels and all these things is that you've got so much information at your fingertips yeah. there's so much stuff out there that can inspire you and 
lead you in the right direction. Yeah, completely. I think I would say, and some might argue that this is incredibly bad advice, but I don't think it is, so I'm (laughs) going to say it. Um, When you leave uni, don't feel like you're all of a sudden an adult. Yeah. You're still so young, so young in the grand scheme of things. And, God, I sound like an old woman saying that. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm, no, I'm young too. But, I mean, you've still got a way to go. So I feel like when I left uni, I just felt this overwhelming sense of, like, not even pressure, just, like, I was almost disappointed in myself when I didn't get the job of my dreams straight away. Well, um, yeah, because everybody's sort of asking you so what's next yeah. what are you going to do now and it's almost like the worst question to ask somebody because not everybody has a plan for after uni yeah. and that's okay I think yeah I worked in um, I had a retail job for a few years after uni I really enjoyed it I loved the people I worked with um, and then I I can't even remember what sort of gave me a bit of a kick up the bum um, but I got a job in a call centre where I could do flexible hours and intern at the same time. Where did you work in a call centre? NatWest. NatWest. Oh, can okay. I say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I worked for NatWest call centre, which was, it was flexible hours. Um, so I could do full-time hours mm. because, um, you know, my mum or my dad couldn't financially support me. Um, so I did full-time hours and then managed to squash them all into like three or four days. And then with the three days I had off, I would, um, I interned. <sighs> so have you got a lot of inside oh, yo, knowledge yo. about NatWest? Because I'm with them. I can help you with a few things. <laughs> Interesting. I love how that's really tiny. You've not listened to anything I've said. Just can you help me with my pin? <laughs> yeah, I'm like cha-ching. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think we're both saying to just don't be too harsh on yourself. Like you're the only person who's going to motivate motivate yourself. I'll be harsh but fair. Um, yeah, uh, but also yeah, don't think you've got to get it done in the six months after you leave uni very silly and just try not to lose sight of the fact that you've got so much time to figure out what you want to do as well and you'll probably have at least a handful of jobs that you don't particularly feel like you love um until you find the right one I think that's just normal it's very um I mean I have friends now that still you know they don't feel like they're in their dream job but they're working with people that they like to work with and they're still kind of striving towards something else and I think that's just life it's just trial trial and error um but yeah, just don't be too hard on yourself and know that things will work out the way they're supposed to. Next. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, next. Um, how, by the way, me and Alice just added on questions before we started recording, in case you wonder where I'm just like reeling off all really these questions, yeah. questions from. Um, how did you start writing for your blog? I want to start one, but I'm scared. Um, I'd say that I'm still scared. Scared, yeah. <laughs> um, I do remember feeling very daunted when I first made my blog. Um, I think it sounds sort of silly, but if you can make your blog feel like you, like your blog space, just aesthetically, and I'd say chip away at a few blog posts before you even set it live. Yeah. That's what I did. I sort of wrote about four or five blog posts before I even put it up because I just wanted to get a feel of what, my writing style was going to be um what what I wanted to say just the general format of the blog posts um so yeah just have a play around I think takes away the edge and the pressure doesn't it as well because yeah. I I did exactly the same I wrote a few posts but my god some of my early ones are just like worth deleting oh, because I would god. just a would limit myself to a couple of paragraphs because I just thought who cares b I'd write things in bullet points a lot because I was just like I don't know, I just thought people didn't want to read big blog posts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of... My tone is... I think you've just developed your tone as you go along. Yeah, you um, do. You hit, you find your voice a bit, don't you? And just don't feel like you need to be bloody Shakespeare because it's not about that. Like, the whole reason people are interested in blogs and stuff is that it is just like reading a text from a friend. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's like... If you're a great writer, that's amazing, but... You don't need to be. No, not at all. Um, you know, it's your. It's like Alice said, it's your space. Yeah. Um, I'd say don't go in with preconceptions that people are even going to read it is probably a good one. Just really write it for yourself. Um, yeah. And like Alice said, um, when you first start your blog, do write a, f- a few p- posts before you set it live because it does take the edge off because then you are just writing for yourself. And I think you find yourself a bit more and 
I think it's just thinking, you know, what would I enjoy reading? It's like a diary, isn't it? You can write whatever you want. It's up to you. It's like you just realised then. It's like a diary. (laughs) On a minute. (laughs) Shit, I need to take it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I think don't be scared. I think the worst, I just sort of said to myself, well, the worst thing that can happen is that no one reads it. No one reads it. Or and then like, it's all right. Or I get a sarky comment, like, and so what? Like, the people that are leaving mean comments aren't the people that are digging deep into their souls and putting something on the internet in the hope that it, you know, connects with other people, so... Yeah, those people them. who correct your grammar <laughs> on blog posts... I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying it. I just You don't need to do it. Please don't do it. Yeah. Even if it makes you feel a bit better about yourself. Yeah, it's because, a mean thing to do. Yeah. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, good luck as well, and definitely do it. Um, how challenging is it to be successful in an outskirts city, which is very on topic for our um, podcast? We should probably um, define what an outskirt city is, because that's quite niche to this blog post. <laughs> no, well, I mean, blog this post, girl said this it. podcast. This girl said it, and she was from America. So I guess by an outskirts city, what she means is maybe not like a, a capital. capital or like somewhere where it's... A metropolis. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I mean, Manchester's getting... It's big. It's, it's getting one. bigger and bigger and expanding all the time, isn't it? But it's, it's definitely not London. Um, Define successful. I, I just don't think that success is... I don't think it matters where you are. I think you can always be working towards success no matter where you live. Yeah. I think there's always something that you can do to be better in yourself um, no matter what it is that you want to do. Even if you're living... Like, I'm from a small village um, and I was I still managed to get, like, little retail jobs and internships in Manchester and I'd travel in and out and things like that. Or even if it's just writing from your bedroom, if, you, if you're interested in blogging or fashion look at things online if you can read books like there's always something that you can do so that you're not just so that you don't just have that feeling of sort of wasting time or being forgotten about yeah um but in terms of like actually bagging your dream job um I don't know I guess you sort of have to weigh up what's important to you and I think for both of us being in Manchester was more important than what our careers could be in London I think also for us as well, a big part of feeling successful is being is also having a successful social life and being around our friends and family. Yeah, being happy. Yeah, just being do. Happy. What, yeah, I know that sounds really naff, but I think just learning to do what makes you happy. Yeah. I've been in so many jobs where I'm miserable, and you look back and you think, God, what a waste of time. And I do sort of feel like whenever people ask me about London and stuff, well, would you move? Blah blah blah. I think. I sort of know what bubble I'd find myself in there, and I know that I'd be busy in myself, but it would be just a lot of acquaintances and I feel like I wouldn't necessarily see the same people all the time and I'd fall into a trap of feeling quite lonely I don't know I do think as well the city that you are from and that you live in it does end up becoming such a huge part of your identity um and home's home isn't it and yeah I think for me success in a really general sense is just being really happy in home life in my job in whatever I'm doing and isn't really measured by how many promotions I've had or how much money I'm on so I guess it just really it depends doesn't it and it it also depends how thirsty you are for it as well like I think if you are someone that's like yeah I'm really thirsty for this I really want to do this and that then you are going to be that person that moves to London or New York or wherever because that's ultimately what's going to lead you and I have to say though because you know the question was how challenging is it yeah I mean, there are, we definitely, I think we've both, um, we've both had moments where we felt stunted by living in Manchester. 100%. It happens. Yeah. It depends how busy you are. I can't always make it to, you know, an event because it's in London or, you know, there'll be a meeting and and they want a breakfast meeting and it's like, would I have to be on a train for, you know, something like five o'clock in the morning and you know it does happen um but you've just got to take the rough with the smooth and I think you know London's only a two-hour train journey away it's not the end of the world yeah I think it, it all just comes back to weighing up what's important to you how you define success and what you're willing to do in search of that success I think yeah yeah um oh I really like this one but I wish I kind of 
cheated and thought about before I'm asking it now. Let's live on the live on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Live for the moment. If you could have a celebrity guest on the podcast, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh God. Um Jeez. I feel like whoever I say I'll regret. Like no. when I listen to it back and I've had t- more time to think about it. Because there's loads of people for different reasons. Yeah. Kathy Burke would be a good guest. <laughs> oh, she'd be great. She'd be she'd good. She'd be a good crap. Yeah, yeah, she would. Um, I would like to interview... Because I also feel like there's a lot of people that I admire that I'd instantly say I want them on, but they wouldn't probably be interested in our podcast in terms of, like, it's yeah, not Yeah, and would I get niche. on with yeah. them? Or, yeah, definitely. I Phoebe think... Waller-Bridge would be great. Oh, yeah, she'd be really good. <laughs> and we've discussed her as well. So yeah, so obviously you, you know the drill. <laughs> um... Who else? Dead or alive? I know, I feel like I should pick somebody dead because it's, and the, really more, profound. it's the more interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I'd maybe like to interview... Oh my God, there's going to be someone so obvious. Mm. There's people who I wouldn't necessarily like to have a conversation with. I'd just like to sit and ask them loads of questions. Like someone like Audrey Hepburn. I'd just like to ask her loads and loads of questions. Marilyn Monroe, I'd like to ask yeah. her. Um, Probably you... like some of the writers that like... Um... Maybe one of the Bronte sisters, or one of the one of the writers that I admired that wrote under a male name, or something like that, like something to yeah. do with one of the feminist topics we discussed. Like, I think that'd be quite interesting. Like, what was it like at that time to be a creative woman that was sort of you're not able to own your work? Yeah, completely. Yeah. That's a good one. Maybe somebody like that, like Jane Austen. Yeah, or Colette. Um, oh, that's a really, that's a good answer as well. Yeah, maybe Pull like. I know you really have what's done. I was just about to say, oh, maybe like John Lennon or George Harrison or so. No, I would like to speak to George That'd be Harrison. Good. We could do a, a music lot. segment. That'd be yeah. Nice, yeah. I'd have a lot I'd, you know, like to say to him. You know what? Or somebody that was murdered and we never found out who. Like, I mean, maybe that seems like a. Yeah, <laughs> we could all do that. Charles Manson. <laughs> Get him off. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's dead now. Yeah, I know, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dead or alive. <laughs> Forgot the question. Um, splash. <laughs> um, who else would I have on? I mean, there's oh, so wow, many there's good a ones lot. that you could have, isn't there? There is a lot. I feel like somebody, <laughs> somebody, like I said, who was, like, interesting from, like, a feminist point of view, how times have changed, blah, blah, blah. And then also someone who was just really evil, just asking questions. Yeah. Like, oh, Andy Warhol would be good. He would be a great one. Yeah. And he could bring Edie Sedgwick with him as well. Yes. So, yeah. If I think of any more, if you think any more, it's can really we just shout them out? Yeah. Um, I'll move on to the next question, though, for now. Yeah. Are you ready to let go of this one? Yeah, I can't think of anybody <laughs> like that's burning in the back of my mind. I feel like there is someone, though, someone really... Odd. Like, I feel like I should say someone like Emmeline Pankhurst or something. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, the easiest one I could say would be Jane Birkin, but I feel like I already know everything about her that I... Yeah. I'm stalked. I'm stalked her extensively. Though. Could get her to sing a song, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she could do our intro. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Controversial. Is he cancelled? Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> I don't... Oh, no. Okay. Forget that. <laughs> He's done some questionable things, hasn't he? But, I mean, I, I do like a few of his films, like the earlier yeah. ones. Annie Hall's great in terms of, like, fashion yeah. inspiration. And what was the other one? Manhattan. Yeah. Anyway, enough of him. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I've just stayed quiet since then. Like, oh, everyone loves me. <laughs> um, so someone has... Last question this, by the way. Okay. I loved the podcast. I don't know if she said it quite like that, but <laughs> thank you. Um, what's been the best um, series or film you've discussed? I really like this question because it means that when we babble on about films and series at the beginning of each podcast, some of you are actually Somebody enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh well, I guess the most like notable one from the series would be this the Tarantino one we discussed at the beginning, just because it is sort of potentially his um, yeah. penultimate film. Is it? He says he's yeah. going to do ten, and this, is, this was his ninth, wasn't it? Um, so it could essentially be the last big one that he does. Yeah. Um, but in terms of ones I've enjoyed the most, God, um, oh I'm trying God, to think. It feels what like even... we've been doing this for so long as well. Like I can't. 
God, I've watched so much. I probably would say Once Upon a Time. Like I, I know there's ones we've mentioned that I've watched that I didn't particularly... A lot of them we didn't enjoy as much as we thought we were going to enjoy. Yeah. And then we've discussed a lot of series. Um, yeah, I feel like... Oh, I, I, I mentioned a documentary a few weeks ago, um, Feminist, What Were They Thinking? I loved that. Would highly recommend that. I, I still find need it really to watch inspiring. That. Yes, every really time I must. go to think what it is, I can't remember what. I just remember there's something that you told me to watch that. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a lot. I, I feel like maybe I moaned quite a bit because there was the Ted Bundy one. We've that wasn't that quite the uh, critiques, haven't we? <laughs> we certainly have. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that documentary, and of course, Big Little Lies mm. always have a special place in my heart. Um, I'm, I, I, am, I am excited for autumn, winter viewing, though. Yes. Like, I feel like this is where shit gets good. Because <laughs> I was just thinking then, because I was going to say, oh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, but I never discussed that on here because I'd already watched it. But the third season is coming out into this year. We did discuss it, though, in terms of women in the spotlight, didn't we? Or yeah, did we women with women a different... Media, yeah. yeah. I feel like, I'm so sorry, with a lot of these answers, we've kind of been, like... We've gone off on trails, really. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So there you have it. Our final episode. I guess we just want to say a big thank you as well um, to everybody that's listened, sent us a message, um, been kind enough to ask a question and shared the podcast with your friends. Um, yeah. It's been nice to feel, um, without sounding like a weirdo, closer to you all. Um, we feel like, you know, it's just been nice to get to know you a bit more. And yeah. And for you to get to know us as well, I think. Really encouraging. Whilst also discussing things that we enjoy and that are important to talk about and then lots of things that aren't important to talk about as well yeah um just a real mixed bag hasn't yeah. it been um and obviously in this break for however long it may be if there is anything you feel like we've missed out on or you'd love to hear more about yes. please give us your feedback we are very easily guided so please do let us know if yeah. there's like some a sort of something that you would like to see in series two whether it's like something specific for a segment or happy to steal your ideas yeah but yeah until series two over and out i guess yeah <laughs> we'll see you soon see ya thank Bye. you for listening bye, bye.